Hi, and welcome to Harvest Bible Chapel, Kuala Lumpur Online. We hope that the following message will be a blessing to you as you seek to walk with the Lord in spirit and in truth. For more information about our church, please visit www.harvestkl.org or click the link in the description below. Hear the word of the Lord. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. This is the word of the Lord. Have you ever watched a movie like a second time or a third time? One of those really good movies, you know? So you know the ending. And then now you're watching and like you're seeing all of the clues along the way that that point to the ending. And it gives you kind of this this new joy about what's happening. In this passage in Revelation, we're looking to the ending. We see this marriage supper of the Lamb, the Lamb of God. John the Baptist said, the Lamb of God is the one who takes away the sins of the world. And who is the bride in this? Who is the bride, bright and pure? It's the church. Clothed in fine linen, bright and pure. We are the bride. We're in our fifth week of studying about the church, the nature of the church. And we're using Ephesians as our guide to talk about the church. We've already established that the church belongs to God. And through Christ, we are being built up together. From all of our diversity, we are being built together. The church is built for eternity. And there's purpose in the church to proclaim the message of the gospel across the globe. As God's church We are brought together as members of a body. We talked about that last week. And we also talked about how God calls on some to serve as elders, to provide oversight for the church as it continues to to live in this purpose that God has called us to. This morning, we're going to look at this idea of the church as the bride of Christ. So what does it mean for us collectively to be the bride, bright and pure? We'll look at this in three points. One, a bride unblemished. Two, a bride blemished. 
three, a bride made unblemished. A bride unblemished. If you'll open with me to Ephesians chapter five, if you have your Bible handy. I'm going to read the first 21 verses. So it's a longer stretch of scripture, but it all kind of goes together. So it's hard to break it up. Ephesians 5, 1 through 21. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. A fragrant offering and sacrifice to God but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleep, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what is the will of the Lord what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. We sometimes think of weddings in romantic terms. Two people pledging their undying love for one another. It's the capstone of the love story. It's the storybook ending of a romantic comedy movie, right? It can get our emotions all up in a flutter. Maybe some more than others. But there's another aspect to a wedding. It's kind of a businessy side of a wedding. There's not a fun way to, it's not a fun way to put it, but it's nevertheless true. When a man and woman get married, 
they're entering into a contract with one another or covenant. In most countries I know of, you have to fill out legal paperwork that seals this contract. And there's legal repercussions if one party breaks the contract. We make vows to each other in public before witnesses who are called to hold us to these things. We don't like to think about marriage in these terms because it feels like it's a betrayal of what marriage is. Marriage has become this symbol of love to one another, committed love. But as as one who is married, uh, I'm called to a standard of living that shows my love and loyalty to my wife. It means that everything that I do doesn't just impact me. It impacts my wife. We are joined together in such a way that I reflect her, she reflects me. When we become Christians, baptized into Christ, we're part of a community that's collectively betrothed to Christ. We enter into a covenant relationship with Christ. When we take the Lord's Supper, Together, Jesus takes the cup and calls it representing the blood of the covenant. The church is Christ's. So for the church to be the bride of Christ, we're called to a higher standard. All of our actions and words now reflect not only ourselves, but they reflect on Christ. A friend of ours is being considered to be a partner in one of the big four accounting firms. One of the things that comes along with that is they want, they expect her to drive a different car, a luxury car, because she now reflects the pride of that company. They expect her to maybe join some kind of exclusive or prestigious club as well. We are to, the same is true for us as Christians. We are to reflect Christ. We are to reflect God's standard for our living. But Jesus doesn't care what kind of car we drive or even if we have a car. Jesus is more concerned with how we live. Ephesians 5 opens with, be imitators of God. Walk in love as Christ loved us. And then we see in verses 3 to 20, there's a long list of specific ways in which we are to walk in love. It's far more than we can cover in any kind of detail this morning. It covers sexual purity. It covers moral purity, idolatry, guarding what we take into our bodies, and even how we use our time. Just as in marriage, 
there are some actions that we know are betrayals of our wedding vows. Unfaithfulness, physical or emotional abuse, deceit, and, and the list could go on. These are, are clear things that we, at least most of us, know are, are wrong from the get-go. But when you get married, you actually realize there are some other ways that can either express love for your spouse or maybe express not love. I don't know. It's, it's not hate, but it's not expressing love. So, for example, if I brought food to my wife, generally speaking, she'd be pleased. She'd be happy. But if I went out and selected the best durian, the choicest one, cut it open, put it on a plate, and brought it to her, she would not be so pleased. In fact, she would not feel that as an act of love towards her. In fact, she would see that as an act of hostility. <laughs> and I might have to find somewhere else to sleep. We are told in verse 10 in Ephesians 5 to try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. All of this is in relational context. In other words, it's not meant to be just a list of don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. But it is to walk in love. And as you learn to love Christ, you learn to live in a way that loves Christ. This requires an ongoing process of walking as children of light in verse 8. So drunkenness and sexual immorality are clearly wrong. But it's more difficult to evaluate how much we live in a spirit of thanksgiving or making the best use of our time. Here are two quick examples from my life. And these are small things but they, I, they, they came to be things that were spiritual blocks for me. So one of them was, um, you know, there are these games that you can get on your smartphone um, where you build something like a garden or a city or a civilization. They all kind of have a similar formula to them. A number of years back, I got into one of those games. And they're, they're ingenious. They know how to kind of suck you in so that you need to tap on things constantly to keep, to keep growing your whatever it is. I'm competitive by nature. And so I wanted to make sure I grew the, the biggest, best, whatever. But it got to the point where I was doing these updates first thing in the morning and then last thing before I go to sleep at night. That's not what I want controlling my mind. It was not only a waste of time, but it was cutting into time that I should be spending in the Word or in prayer. So I needed to delete the game off my phone. Now, hear me clearly. I'm not telling you to delete all your games off your phone. Uh, what I'm saying is I needed to evaluate the role that that game was having in my mind. 
for me, it wasn't healthy. I was giving it too much of my attention. One more quick example. There were a few, uh, there was a point a few years back in the United States, my home country, where the political news was like every day there was just something huge happening. And so I, I just got caught up in just reading one news article after another and getting emotionally involved in it. It was, I was devoting way too much of my emotional bandwidth to things that were way out of my control. I didn't drop reading news altogether, but I needed to change my habits in how I read the news. I needed to control that so that it didn't control me. It requires an ongoing will willingness for all of us to evaluate what we're doing, what we say, what we think, what we feel. Ultimately, we need to make decisions that honor our most important relationships. A bride blemished. The church is the bride of Christ. This means we are to be holy. Think about it. The Bible says that marriage is the bringing together of a husband and wife as one flesh. So then that means that we as the bride are united with Christ as one. What we do reflects on Christ. Christ cannot have any impurity. Therefore, we must not have any impurity. This passage instructs us to be mindful of this. We are to walk in love just as Christ. We are to be imitators of God. We are to walk as children of light. We are to carefully walk as those who are wise. This is a, a high standard to strive for. God is glorified by our holiness. Our lives will be more filled with peace and joy the more we live rightly before God. If we live as holy people, Think of the impact we can have. If you have tried to live this way, then you already know something about this. It is hard. And we have all messed up. Some of you, I don't know, might be thinking, hold on a minute. I'm not that bad. I don't do the big sins. The problem with this mindset is we're thinking about sin as like crimes. But that's not what sin is. It's a heart condition. Lust, greed, covetousness. Those aren't actions. Those are heart conditions. And they can so easily create a home in our hearts. We all have hearts that are prone to wander. We can so easily make lesser things objects of our worship. 
God sees our wandering loyalty and idolatry like unfaithfulness in marriage. The Old Testament prophet Hosea was called to illustrate this with his own life. Periodically, the prophets were not just called to give words in a message, but sometimes to live things out. And it probably looked super weird to the people around them. But the message was really clear. So Isaiah, for example, was asked to prophesy naked as a warning to the Egyptians and Ethiopians. Ezekiel was called to eat a scroll to literally ingest God's word. He was also called to lay on his side for 390 days, which makes me hurt just thinking about it. It's a sign that I'm old, probably. Hosea was called upon to marry a prostitute named Gomer. After they married, she would continue to see other men. It's almost like she couldn't help it. Hosea was to remain faithful to her. No matter what Gomer did, he remained married to her, devoted to her. The message that God is sending is that we are not that different from Gomer. We are like Gomer in this scenario. We say we love God, but we give ourselves to other gods. I would urge you to search your heart on this matter. Wedding ceremonies draw on a lot of symbolism in every culture. Each culture has different symbols. One, one aspect of a traditional Western wedding ceremony is the bride wears what color? White. White, yes. And this white represents purity. There's a singer-songwriter by the name of Derek Webb. And he wrote a song called Wedding Dress. The whole album that, that this song appears in is about the church. And so he's very deliberately calling on this metaphor of the church as the bride. I'll just read, because you don't want to hear me sing, uh, a few lines from this song. With one hand in a pot of gold and the other in your side, because I'm so easily satisfied with the call of a lover's soul as wild, I would take a little cash over your very flesh and blood, because I am a whore, I do confess. I put you on just like a wedding dress, and I run down the aisle, run down the aisle. I am a prodigal with no way home. I put you on just like a ring of gold, and I run down the aisle, run down the aisle to you. What Derek Webb captures in this song is our tendency to give ourselves to other gods, whatever they, they may be, money, fame, pleasure, safety, career. And then we run down the aisle with our wedding dress on. We, we do things um, to, to try to, to quickly cover our spiritual basis. Jesus warned us that we cannot serve two masters. And yet we still try 
We can't be the bride of Christ and give ourselves to other pursuits. If we are so prone to seek other idols as lovers, then maybe we're not deserving of Christ. A bride made unblemished. So Ephesians, go back to Ephesians 5. We're gonna, I'm just going to read verses 25 to 32. This passage is bringing two things together. It's talking about the relationship between husbands and wives and talking about the relationship between Jesus and the church. Uh, we are, this morning, more focused on Jesus and the church. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it, nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. So as I mentioned, this passage talks about the relationship between husband and wife but it also talks about the relationship between Christ and the church. And there's much we can learn from the merit about marriage relationship from this passage, but we won't be talking about that this morning. This morning, we're focusing on how Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Ultimately, that he might present the church to himself in splendor. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful image. Because we are like Gomer, Hosea's wife. And yet Christ pursues us. We are like Gomer and Christ liberates us from the cycle of sin that we are in. We come to Christ with all of our blemishes. We come to Christ undeserving of his great love. And Christ offers himself as a sacrifice without blemish. Look with me at Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14, just briefly. It says this, How much more will, be, will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? This verse has something important for us to hear. Our natural default is to let our conscience lead us to respond out of guilt. So I know there are times when I feel guilty as a parent, when I'm really busy and I don't spend enough time with my kids. If my guilt leads me, then I'm tempted to respond to this guilt by maybe I should just buy them something. And my kids are not going to refuse the gift, just to be clear. But it doesn't actually address the problem. It doesn't get me to spend time with them the way I should be. 
It just helps me appease my guilt for a minute. It's like the dead works that are mentioned in this Hebrews passage. We can try to do some religious activity to make up for the guilt that we have. But the better solution with my kids is to respond out of love for my kids and find a way to spend time with them. It's the same with God. He desires holy living because of our love for God that compels us. He's not asking us just to check off a list of things to do. Even when we are unfaithful to God, when we seek after other lovers, God's love is steadfast. So in Hosea, God declares his unshakable love when God's people are unfaithful. In Hosea 2, 19 to 20, it says this, And I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice and in steadfast love and in mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord. So isn't there just an amazing love that God has? It's an incredible picture. Moreover, God delights in us, his people. So another prophet, Isaiah, he takes his readers through the coming of the Messiah and then salvation on God's people. And then he offers this insight into why God goes into such great lengths to save us in Isaiah 62, verse 5. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. God rejoices over us. We, the Church of Christ, even in our not yet perfected state, we are recipients of God's rejoicing. That's worth thinking about. That's worth giving thanks about. Here are three things just to think for us to think about this week. Three things. First, loving God through your personal holiness. I would urge you to read through Ephesians 5 prayerfully this week. Ask God to show you where you fall short. And there's something for all of us to grow in. If you do not yet have a relationship with God like this, take the opportunity to confess your sin and receive God's loving mercy through Christ. If you want to find out more, ask someone here that follows Christ if you have questions. If you have a relationship with Christ, ask for his strength to walk in light and develop a hate for this darkness. Two, love God through our collective holiness. So the first one was personal, individual. The second one is us together as a church. The church is called to holiness. We are to be imitators of God. We are, but we still struggle with our sin nature. And sometimes our sin nature comes out through our individual actions, and sometimes it comes out through our 
collective actions. It will not serve us to pretend that we are more holy than we are. There is a temptation sometimes to put on a, a church smile when you come to church and then be someone completely different outside of church. But rather, we would be more healthy if you come to church open and as you are. Perhaps more similar to Alcoholics Anonymous. The, an Alcoholics Anonymous group, an AA group, it, it consists of confessing alcoholics. And alcoholics, I mean, one of the things that they, they believe is that they're never, they never fully rid of their alcoholism. That that continues to be something they are all battling. And so they help each other, acknowledging the threat of alcohol's grip on them. They also acknowledge a higher power in doing so. Our church is a community of sinners who are loved by God and saved through Christ. To grow, we need to be quick to forgive one another. We need to be ready to help one another. We need to be open and honest with one another that together we would walk in light and that darkness would have no place in this church. Number three, daily remembering God's great love for you in thankfulness and in worship. Twice in Ephesians 5, it says that we are, it tells us we are to give thanks. We can't just stop doing wrong. That would just leave a void, right? So what will we do? How do we fill our words, our actions? It begins by giving thanks always. Take time daily to remember God's love for you and for sending his own son to die for you. Express gratitude together through songs and hymns, psalms. And that's what we've done this morning already, is we're singing together out of gratitude. And together that we grow as a church. And one of the things that we have not addressed more fully in our discussion about church life is worship. And sometimes we can quickly reduce worship to song singing. And it's, it, it is song singing, but it's so much more than that. Sometimes we can reduce it to an emotional feel. And there are emotions involved, but it's so much more than that. It has to be rooted in an overwhelming awareness of God's great love for us. And that we respond out of that back to God. Will you join me in prayer? Father, we come before you as a community of sinners, confessing before you that we, in so many ways, fall short 
of your standard. Father, I, I ask that we would together work diligently to, to respond differently, to love you first, and out of that, to live as you would have us live. Father, you called us to holiness. Father, I pray that in all that we do, that we grow in awareness of where sin works in our lives. That we would be quick to put that away. And in the same way that we would also be quick to put on Christ in our lives. That we would begin to walk in love. That we would learn to love each other well. That we would learn to, to love those that uh, don't love us. That we would love our enemies, people. Father, that you would show us how we no longer participate with darkness. But that we walk in light. That you would give us discernment about those things that are displeasing to you. And those things that are pleasing to you. Father, we come before you knowing that, that we aren't incapable of doing this on our own, in our own strength. And so we come before you grateful that you sent your son to die for us. So that we might walk in a new life, able to live differently, able to walk with joy and love, be willing to to do things that would be beyond our comprehension because you have given us the new ability to do so. Father, I pray for our church's harvest that we would together worship you as a body by the ways we live, the ways we interact, and by the ways we reflect back to you our thanks. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.